to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Marzon. And we're here with the next episode in the Strong Enough series here on the Practical Family Podcast. This episode series is specifically for you, mamas, because we are here to tell you that you are already enough. Yes, you are strong enough to handle the craziness that life throws at you. And Practical Family is here specifically to strengthen moms for real life struggles. This is a podcast to help you discover your gifts and embrace grace. You know, moms, there are so many things that convince us that we're not enough and that trying harder is the only solution. And unmet expectations frustrate us. Comparison steals our joy. Hoping others will change isn't realistic. More usually isn't better. And so we're saying enough already. Mama, you are already enough. Let us help you explore some super practical ways to tap into your strengths and give the best of yourself to your family. Welcome to our second episode in the Strong Enough series, Discover Your Unique Personality. Now before we get started, I do want to remind you that we have a Facebook group specifically dedicated to this series. The Strong Enough Facebook group with Jen Bryant and Jordan Marzan is right there on our Facebook page and it's a group specifically for you to discuss these topics more in depth. There's a lot here in these episodes that we cannot cover in 20 or 30 or in this case 60 minutes. So go to our Strong Enough Facebook group for more. In today's episode, we're talking about personalities. Yes, we are. There's a lot of them. And you seem to have most of them, Jordan. (laughs) It's not diagnosed, but yeah, I think I might. Okay, so having multiple personalities is an actual disorder versus what we're talking about today in being aware of many types of personalities because I don't know about you, but I don't like being told that I should be doing something a certain way. Like, it bugs me. It bugs me just hearing you say that that bugs you because it bugs me that anybody would tell you to do a certain thing the certain way. That's just irritating just to hear. <laughs> and I find that a lot of moms get frustrated when they feel like they, they aren't enough because they can't either perform to a standard that they've seen someone yeah. else do, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit about this already, you know, whether it's social media or Pinterest or whatever is making us feel not good enough. I think at the core, I felt really strongly about making this an episode strictly about personality so that we can take a look across the board at all the different types that could be out there. Yes. You know? And I, you and I have talked a bit about Enneagram lately. Yeah. Enneagram's a big thing right now. It is. Um, we actually did an episode with... Beth McCord. Yes. Beth and Jeff. Her yes. husband. Beth and Jeff. Beth and Jeff. <laughs> Beth and Jeff were on the Practical Family Podcast talking about their ministry and resource website called YourEnneagramCoach.com. And they are focused right now on helping couples, marriages specifically, thrive by understanding individual personalities. Yeah. How cool is that? And it's been successful yeah. thus far. And so as the Enneagram has been placed lately as a tool for the life of couples, individuals, career seekers, yeah, relationship betterers, etc. pretty much humans, <laughs> anybody with a personality, has been able to use this tool to understand themselves better. And I tell you what, since I've looked more into what these numbers actually mean, it's helped me to be a more empathetic person. 
honestly, because I can look at myself and go, yep, those are my strengths. Yep, those are my weaknesses. And uh, so what do I do with this now? Yeah. You know? And um, I know you've looked into it a little bit, Jordan. Yeah. But how how has knowing yourself better helped you to relate to others better? So knowing myself better has just kind of helped me realize some of my tendencies, especially in ways that I negatively react because, I mean, who wants to talk about how negative you can be with certain things? So learning that I was a a two-wing three, a three-wing two, whatever it was, just realizing that I have patterns that were hurting other people uh, was really important to me. And one of the other ways that the Enneagram and some other personality assessment and descriptors have helped me is really learning to be empathetic with other people, especially my husband, who is not a talker. (laughs) So he's not going to talk to me about his feelings and about what's going on in his life in explicit terms, but being able to reference some other people who know what it's kind of like to be in his head and in his shoes has been just eye-opening for me to have way more, way, way, way more empathy for him in a lot of situations and I've honestly I feel like I do love him better now that I kind of understand where he comes from with a lot of the ways that he's approached his life and our life together so I'm just thankful that somebody pulled back the curtains on his brain so that I can know how to love him better yeah yeah and and while the Enneagram is you know absolutely not a replacement for scripture nor is it scientifically clinically you know, backed. Yeah. yeah, it's not. Oh, and we're not saying that by any means. We're just I, I'm just using this as a jumping off point for showing you today the different types of people who are out there. And I bet you that you can relate or that you can relate someone that, you know, to the different personalities who will share today. So surprise, we are not the only ones talking about the subject today. We have special guest recordings that you're gonna be able to hear from real life people, real women, real mothers, who have volunteered to share about themselves and their particular type. And I want you to listen closely to how they share about their strengths, their weaknesses or vulnerabilities, and what God is doing in their lives and in their hearts to show them how to love others better. Yes. And not to mention how to grow closer to the Lord and really seek him for guidance first above all else above all else because in christ is where we find our true identity yes so keeping our eyes on jesus and learning to do what he called us to do which is love him first and then love our neighbors and one of the best ways we can do that is by knowing ourselves and getting to know more about our neighbors so we're going to hear from some awesome women we are so we're going to use the nine types today just as a marker for understanding the different types. We'll start with type one. Type one is a moral perfectionist. Type ones tend to fear being wrong, being bad, or being thought of as evil or inappropriate. They want to be seen as having integrity, being a good person, balanced, right? So so ones tend to be uh, very much rule followers. Um, they thrive in, in highly structured situations. Yeah. I know a lot of ones who see the good in everything and want to make everything better. And I I relate to that because... (laughs) I wish they would make everything better. Then I could stop worrying about it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. What ones need to hear the most is that you are good. 
So if you've ever been in a position of not feeling good enough because you're not doing anything good enough and you just want to be seen as a good person with good intentions and good values, you know, a one might be the type you relate to the best. I want you to hear from my friend Kelly today, who is a one. Hi, I am Kelly Russell, and I am a one on the Enneagram. This means that I am the perfectionist, the idealist, the reformer, or the improver. I have heard all four of these names. I prefer the term the improver. This means I have a strong inner critic. I also have a deep longing for perfection. My superpower as a one on the Enneagram is that I can improve almost anything. Myself, others, a project, a process. I have a clear vision of what things could be, and I want so badly to get us there. One thing I've noticed about my weaknesses is that I can be very critical. I have a strong inner critic that goes for myself and unfortunately for others, so I can be judgmental. I also think in black and white. I am learning that gray is an actual color. I can be very hard on myself. I also walk around with a lot of anger and resentment because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but life and things of this world are not perfect. Some of the steps towards growth that I am learning with God's help is that it's okay to make mistakes and to dust myself off and get back to it. I pretty much just don't have time to be derailed every time I make a mistake or every time I receive criticism. Uh, God's called me to do and be a lot, and I simply don't have time to wallow in fear or self-doubt. Wow, that is that is an honest reflection on wanting to be a perfectionist. It's got to be a hard place to come from, just seeing the way that so many things could be better, mm-hmm. but knowing that a lot of those things aren't your things to fix. And also, I think it was interesting how she flipped how she has an inner critic, but how it can also slow her down when somebody criticizes her mm-hmm. and how she can't get bogged down by letting her inner critic criticize the fact that somebody criticized her. <laughs> and it's yeah. what, a, what a spiral that can turn into. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I've known different types of perfectionists. Well, I thought that I used to be when I like to refer to myself as a recovering perfectionist. I tend to lean more toward uh, what a type two would be, which is what we're going to cover next. A type two is a supportive advisor. And while type twos like to get it right, they like they like to get it right in the area of pleasing people, of helping people the best way that they can, you know? Yeah. So while people like Kelly, who lean more toward perfecting maybe processes and programs and or or just they need structure in certain areas it could be people too yeah the type two is more focused on improving people or situations that people need yeah and so um type two's fear being rejected and unwanted because they have so much to offer yeah right don't we jordan don't we (laughs) yeah we do and if we're if we're unwanted who will we help exactly exactly but our downfall can be pride you know and and I don't, I don't like to see this about myself because I don't like to believe that I have pride, right? Our pastor says that pride is like bad breath. <laughs> Everyone knows you have it except you. And uh, so it's hard to look at that and go, you know, I get prideful when it comes to my own needs. 
Yeah. And I deny that I have needs that need to be met. Yes. And I just press it down and say, no, 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 but it's, it's what you need first. Let me help you. But when you have trouble receiving help, yeah, that's hard. Yes. That's hard. Yeah, you just have to admit it at first because half of your success is in squelching yourself. Saying, no, no, I'm so big, I can even overcome me with just willpower. Mm, Um, So that's huge. So that's, it's a twofold need there. Yeah, so type twos desperately need to hear that they are wanted and loved Mm. in different ways. We're going to hear from two type twos today. The first one is our friend Chris Moss. Hi, my name is Chris Moss. I am an Enneagram two, which means I am the helper. So my strengths are sort of like intuitive. I can listen to a conversation and hear things on a much deeper level than people actually mean to share with me. My weaknesses are that sometimes in an effort to help, I overstep boundaries or I enable people. The way God has worked it out with me is he's taught me different boundaries by learning to ask questions when I hear things deeper than what people are actually saying. For instance, if somebody says, I have a headache, instead of racing to my purse to get my ibuprofen, I can ask them if they've already taken some medication or if they'd like me to provide some. Or if somebody says to me, I have this particular issue coming up, Instead of using all of my earthly wisdom to figure out how I would do it and enlist help if it was me and then offering that help, I just ask them, would you give me permission to speak to that? Mm, That is a big one. I really liked what Chris said about just pausing for a moment and asking yourself, okay, is this something I need to be involved in right now? Oh, Lord Jesus. I've kept myself lately from many yeses that needed to be no's because (laughs) of stepping back and going, okay, is this a place where I need to insert myself? Yeah. No? Okay. No, then I won't. Sounds like some hard-earned wisdom that she's got there about stopping that initial reaction to jump in and help even where it's not asked for Mm -hmm. and learn to... Ooh, regulate that, but sounds like she's come by it honestly. <laughs> amen, amen. So the second type two we have today is my friend and mentor, Sherry Gregory. Sherry comes at being a two from a slightly different angle, but I think that you'll get a lot of insight from this as well. Hey, Jennifer, it's Sherry Gregory, and I am an Enneagram two, the supportive advisor. The strengths I have from the list for a two, I feel like I tend to be supportive, or at least I try to be, that I'm giving and that I am compassionate towards others. What I notice about my weakness says is that I really hate the sound of the weaknesses for an Enneagram two. I hate the sound of them. And then I really hate that they fit me. Um, I'm reading from the little book here for Enneagram twos, and it says, your core weakness is pride. And my first thought was, no, I'm so busy thinking about other people. And it goes on to say, you deny your own needs and emotions while using your strong intuition to discover and focus on the needs and emotions of others. You confidently insert your support into others' lives, hoping they will acknowledge how grateful they are for you. Well, if that doesn't just sound like some kind of a meddler, I don't know what else does. And that is the story of my life. 
of focusing so much on other people's quote unquote needs and quote unquote helping them that I end up ignoring my own needs until things go so badly that I need other people to rescue me. So the step towards growth, steps towards growth I'm learning with God's help are to step back, are to press pause, to not insert myself, to not assume others need me to rescue them, and to learn that people will value me even if I'm not constantly helping. And that taking care of myself means that I can bring my best self into my relationships with others. And that's not just okay, it's a really good thing. Not Mm. just okay, it's a really good thing. Man. Oh, I think so many times, why have I devalued myself for the sake of others in order to help others, which is a good thing. You know, all these things are are good things, are good motivations, you know, and as we'll go down the list of the different types, every one of us wants to believe that we respond from a really genuinely great place. And sometimes we just need to look at that and go, no, you know, my, my motivations were kind of based in fear or selfishness or what, you know, and the more that we can look at ourselves, the more we can go, okay, I failed again, but this is where I need the Lord to help me in this. Yeah. You know, and it's a good, it's important thing. Speaking of failing, I think I failed at the Enneagram the first time I took it. (laughs) Did you? I did. (laughs) I think I might have been a two, and I don't know why. I think I just came from such a big family and took care of kids so much. I just assumed I was a helper because that's kind of literally what people called me. Like when I was a, you know, when I was young, they were like, oh, before you're a real babysitter, you're a mother's helper, where you go in and like the mom actually stays at the house the whole time, but you like play puzzles and sweep. Anyway, oh, so. I just heard about that you in my co-op, just... actually. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I grew up doing that. I was like, how can we train our little girls to be mother's helpers? Mother's helpers, <laughs> yeah. So that's where I started. So I've, I feel like I've literally been called a helper for so long. And then, you know, I have womanly intuition, I would say. And so you're like, okay, I have some intuition about how people feel. I'm, I tend to be pretty good at helping because that's what I was trained to do. Uh, but I think I might be some blurry line between the two and the three. And the three is a successful achiever. Mm. And this is hard for me to say because I don't feel successful or achieving. <clears throat> but the type three's biggest fear is being exposed as not being a successful achiever. Mm. So what better way to not be exposed than to not claim you're a successful achiever? Then nobody can expose you because you're not anything. Anyway, <laughs> so type threes don't want to be thought of as incompetent, inefficient, or worthless. Uh, we don't want to appear to fail to be successful and we just want to be loved for just simply being us. We tend to have a high craving for status and respect. We want to be admired and successful and valuable. But that core weakness is deceit. Mm. And that just sounds snaky. <laughs> car salesman it, it, it No sounds... offense to car salesmen <laughs> everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> it, it does sound a bit oily, but it's, okay, it's deceiving ourselves. Deceiving yourself into believing that you're the only image you present to others. Embellishing the truth by putting on a polished persona for everyone. Mm. It's kind of like, what does the Shakespeare play the, about the masks that we wear and we need to stop doing it? We need to, <laughs> that, that sounds like a verbatim Shakespeare quote. <laughs> Your masks. You need to stop wearing them. Take <laughs> off your masks. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I think I cut class before mom made me read Shakespeare. <laughs> we had to look up that quote. Wait, you're homeschooled. How did you cut class? 
Yeah, my mom had eight other children. It was pretty easy. You're like, look, that one's smearing poop on the wall, and then you just go do what you want. It's great. <laughs> That's how homeschoolers cut class. Got it. Okay. Yep. So let's hear from our three today. My friend Sarah Johnsgard, um, whom I love and miss so much. She lives too far away. But this is what she had to say about being a three. My name is Sarah Johnsgard. I love being an Enneagram type three because it means that I have the ability to multitask. My brain can keep up because I have the energy for it. I love it too because life is full of so many possibilities and adventures, and I am not afraid of those. I am able to problem solve and to overcome those objections and just have a thirst for life. At the same time, there are some real struggles and weaknesses with it something that I have had to really work through and pray through for a long time and that I'm just now starting to realize is feeling like you have to craft your persona and think about the crowd that you're about to walk up into and change your personality or think, how am I going to approach these people to cater to them? Because I want their approval. I want them to like me. I want to be somebody that they can admire or love because then I will feel worthy. I have been so grateful for the Enneagram and for helping to expose my areas of weakness so I can take them to the Lord. And he has really freed me up to see these areas and to be aware of them and cognizant so that when I walk up to people, I can more bravely and freely be who I am instead of trying to conform to who I believe somebody else wants me to be. So trying to be someone else who you think other people want you to be. Isn't that the message that we get a lot as moms? You know, we this mm. is why we're doing the Strong Enough series because if you've ever felt compelled to act like someone other than yourself, you yeah. have struggled with this. And I think the three struggles even more because of that need to please and be who pe- I don't it sounds silly saying it but be mm-hmm. who people want you to be you're mm-hmm. like who who do you need do you need an entertainer do you need a loving arm do you need somebody articulate do you need like what do you need and we'll, yeah. we'll kind of just do it for you I've loved getting to know you and your personality Jordan but I've known other people too to who are just naturally actors and this is where like the performing arts are such a cool thing to watch and you too you are an aspiring actress you've done different things I have we'll talk more about that in future episodes but FYI this lady is so talented and we've talked about how loving to do those things naturally makes you feel like you're like too extra like you're too much yeah. For people. People don't understand the, the channel of energy we have at our fingertips to be able to shape it. You kind of feel like Elsa, but with energy. Like, you can't, like, point and make an ice sculpture, but you can, like, wave your hands and become something entirely different. And people generally love it. If you can get a good read on the room, it generally makes you pretty funny and pretty popular, which is a pretty nice place to be for a three. Sure, and that natural ability to entertain is so cool. It's so fun and beautiful. And like any other ability, we all have to just watch our tendencies and uh, maybe our selfish tendencies in that. When we talked to uh, Brandon and Amy Hawkins a couple episodes ago about being an introvert and an extrovert, Brandon talked about this, about needing to make sure that he was not always the only one talking in the room yes. that he, that when, when you're in a small group situation, maybe a three or someone who's naturally extroverted tends to take over a conversation just because it comes easily. 
Yeah. You know, and you can, and, and it's nobody fun. else does it. Yeah, and you're like, the world is a stage with a <laughs> microphone, and nobody is on it. <laughs> so it's like begging somebody to use it. Ah, yeah. oh, golly. Yeah. So if you feel like you have these natural tendencies, mamas, or if you see them in your kids, just know that it's not weird. It's it, <laughs> thanks, it's, Jen. It's extra. It's extra. <laughs> All right, here we go. On to type number four. Oh, type fours are so sweet. And type fours are beautiful. And, and even in saying that, I mean that type fours are the romantics. They usually manifest in the form of artists, of designers, of people who just have this naturally aesthetic eye for things. It's hard to, to see this in other people, what, what they fear about themselves, but they fear being inadequate emotionally cut off they fear being plain or flawed or insignificant and it's this desire to be unique to be special to be authentic and not like the crowd does that make sense like fours tend to not want to conform because they don't want to be boring like they want to be special and maybe you see this in yourself as someone who's drawn to the arts or or music or something to that effect and they want to be seen and loved for exactly who they are and the special and unique gifts that they have to offer. So here's a look at the inner workings of a four. My friend, Lainita. My name is Lainita Smith, and I'm an Enneagram four. My strengths are the ability to empathize and treat others with sensitivity. I'm creative and have an active imagination. I've learned that my weakness is holding back and withdrawing if I'm feeling too vulnerable or not good enough. I realized that the not good enough feelings are a result of my false notions and not a reflection of what God thinks of me. I have been meditating on key verses of scripture that remind me he is the master creator who intentionally made me exactly who I am. One of my favorites is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Not just good enough, but a masterpiece. Leaning in to who God created me to be allows me to stay engaged and minister to others in the way that only I can. That's a good point, that leaning into your personality while it sometimes... It can feel like navel-gazing, like it's all about you, but it really helps you know how you specifically can serve other people. I like that. Right, and, and I like that self-confidence. When a four especially realizes that they are unique and special in that what they have to offer is uniquely them. And I think that's something that we can all take away too. In studying ourselves not to become obsessed with ourselves, but to just notice and be aware of enough of our tendencies to be able to say, oh, that's the effect that I have on other people. That's the negative effect or that's the positive effect that I can have because I can see things with different eyes, mm -hmm. you know, whether creatively or auditorily or with compassion. You know, if you can and you naturally have those tendencies, 
then use them and use them for God's glory, first and foremost. I mean, not just for yourself. If it's helping us to better our relationships, and that's the point of this episode, but to know that you are stronger <laughs> than yeah. you think. Yeah. You are absolutely strong. We're coming up to the five now. And I just have to say, and this is kind of um, an ironic point that <laughs> fives are. Fives are so unique, by the way, and they're wonderful people. Fives are the investigative thinker. They fear being thought of as incapable or ignorant because they they highly value acquiring knowledge. And as my friend puts it, he likes to hoard knowledge and 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 keep all these random facts and things <laughs> to himself. And there's great joy in that because of this amazingly huge thirst for learning which I get I I understand that but fives also tend to be incredibly introverted and they just they they keep to themselves because they fear giving off too much energy they they fear losing a lot of the the energy that they already have and not being able to use it for the things that are important to them but what fives need to realize is that their needs are not a problem. I mean, that they have needs and that they're not going to be a burden on someone else. Uh, fives tend to read a lot. <laughs> they tend to want to be alone a lot. They tend to not really prefer to be in huge gatherings or at parties, which is completely okay. And again, we talked about this in Brandon and Amy's episode about introverts and extroverts. Amy just is she's fine not doing any of that and she's it's 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 good. The thing is I could not find any fives who are willing to be interviewed <laughs> on this episode and it's kind of funny cuz it's indicative of, of a five. I just honestly haven't come across many moms who are fives mm. yet or who are um you know able to put themselves out there like that but one day we will. We will find them. <laughs> and if it's you, tell us. It's okay. Let us know. It's a safe place. We want, to, we want to meet you. Not expose you. Yeah, we want to meet you. you. <laughs> so, moving on. There is no type five <laughs> until you come find us. So, next is type six. The loyal guardian. So, the loyal guardian, ah, they fear fear itself. Which, whew. And we all got fears, but fear itself. They don't want to be without support. They don't want to be targeted. They don't want to be blamed. And they especially don't want to be physically abandoned. They just fear explicit fear. Mm-hmm. They really, really value having security, guidance, and support in their life. And one of their main weaknesses is actually anxiety. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they tend to scan the horizons of life and they try and prevent and predict things that are going to happen especially negative outcomes and this kind of tends to send them to a constant state of apprehension and worry and so their deepest desire is to feel safe and secure so jen who do we have talking to this (laughs) who who do we have talking to type six today oh type sixes i have come to love you so much because my my sweet sister agreed to be on the podcast today representing the type sixes and I'll tell you what it was like pulling teeth to get her to do it not because she didn't want to she she definitely wanted to be a part of this episode and to help other people she has such a huge heart for people she's a nurse and so her natural tendency is to is to help people to become better as well in that way 
Um, but it was hard to get the recording, literally the technical recording to work. And she's like, Jen, I've tried to do it like seven times. It's not working. We finally figured out, okay, you need to record in Wi-Fi and da, da, da. But I was so, I was worried for her because I was worried that it was pushing her more and more over the edge and making her more anxious. <laughs> and I said, I had to tell her, Jacqueline, I'm so grateful for you that you agreed to do this today and push past all these obstacles because... It, it tends to happen to sixes. Like, mm. sixes tend to come across all the worst-case scenarios. They just either happen to them by chance or by choice or because of the fear that is there. And I asked her if I could share this today, too. She goes, oh, my gosh, Jen, I had this dream last night that that you were so upset with me because I didn't get this recording to you in time. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I would never make you feel that way. And she's like, I know you didn't, but... But that's what my brain does. I go to these anxious places and I get like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. I'm not. So if you can relate to this, mama, you may be a type six and that if anxiety and fear rules your life, I mean, it's definitely an obstacle to overcome and it's not as easy for some. And those who are not type sixes need to grow in their empathy for type sixes. I'm telling you right now, because my sister has taught me a lot about not only herself, but myself as well. And it's allowed me to have a lot more grace for those who, who battle with anxiety. So, so here's my sister, Jacqueline Flores, sharing about her personality type. I am Jacqueline, and I am an Enneagram 6. My strengths are that I'm courageous, loyal, and effective, and my weaknesses are fear and anxiety. I definitely tend to be fearful and anxious about Many things that, that I can't control, and so that can cause me to be uh, hypervigilant and trying to almost prepare for the worst <laughs> with any and everything, from the biggest things down to just making sure I have enough clothes and diapers, anything for my son whenever we go out, just in case. I've definitely had my share of um, panic attacks. I used to be able to fly all the time, and now I'm, I have a big fear of flying and just not being able to be in control of everything. God's definitely been working on me uh, in the last year, especially after having my son helping me uh, to realize that I cannot control anything, much less everything. Just spending more time with him in his word and really God reminding me of his promises and showing me how faithful he is. And to really just trust that He's in control. He's in control of everything. And no matter how much I, I, how fearful I am or how, how much I worry about things, he is always going to be in control. I just have to pray and ask him for uh, just peace. And he just kind of uh, puts his hand on me and gives me peace in, in any and all situations. So it's definitely, definitely a work in progress, but it definitely helps to know and um, for me to realize my tendencies and, and to know what I tend to resort to. It's not of God, and it's not what he wants for me. So he's definitely been working on me in the case of fear and anxiety. So I'm very thankful for that. Can I just say that Jacqueline is one of the strongest people that I've met? Seriously, with everything that she feels like she deals with on the inside, it's been hard for her to, to share a lot of these things openly, mm -hmm. but she's willing to do it. She does it um, readily one-on-one -on -one with friends. She's come on the podcast with me before to share about her difficult pregnancy, actually. Yeah. Um, so you can look back in the archives if you want to hear from her in that way. But, but the Lord really 
continues to prove so faithful in her life. And as her sister, I've seen it. And with other sixes, I've seen that when sixes are healthy, they are the most loyal and protective people you could ever meet. And they will go the extra mile to make sure that the situation is safe and good and people are cared for. So it's a really, really great quality. To, um, it's a really great thing to have six in your life for sure. Jordan, do you want to talk about sevens? Do you want me to talk about Sevens are fun. Am I allowed to throw somebody under the bus? <laughs> like, what you... Sevens are so much fun. They are all about fun. They are the entertaining optimist. And I have some of these in my life. Which means that I have way more fun than one person should have in a day. Um, I was actually thanking God for that in my prayers this morning. That these people are in my life and they make me laugh a lot. So the entertaining optimists do not want to be deprived, but would really like to be happy, fully satisfied, and content. They do not want to be limited or bored, and they do not want to miss out on something fun. Mm-hmm. Do not leave them out. Do not. Uh, do, do not. Invite them, even though you won't need to invite them because they're the ones throwing the party. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they're so. the party people. They are usually the life of the party. It, typically, <laughs> yes. Um, so their core weakness is actually gluttony. They tend to have a great deal of emptiness inside and have an insatiable desire to fill themselves up with experiences and stimulation and in hope of feeling completely satisfied and content. But we all know that you can never feel completely satisfied and content and thus comes the seven's wheel spinning. <laughs> so their core desire is to be taken care of. So have mm-hmm. fun, be taken care of. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love these people. <laughs> you want to go shopping with the seven. For sure. I always go shopping with the seven. They are, whoo, they, they will buy hot pink leather pants with you. <laughs> and sometimes that's what you need. Like it's Sometimes just, it is. It yeah. is. <laughs> seven, the sevens in my life have always pushed me to be more spontaneous than I thought I already was. <laughs> Apparently I've been super boring most of my life. Yeah, me too. But um, but sevens, it, it's just, y- you are just drawn to them mm. because they're so happy and optimistic most of the time. I want to introduce you to my friend Jennifer, who is a seven, and she and I have talked about Enneagram um, a lot lately. And she's the mother of soon-to-be five children. <laughs> she's amazing. That's a handful. Her, her girls are so sweet, and she's having a little baby boy soon. But this is my friend, Jen. My name is Jennifer, and I am a seven on the Enneagram. Sevens are the optimist or the enthusiast, or if you're looking at it more spiritually, we're the joyful person. We are all about fun, excitement. Um, some of my strengths are I'm very passionate about anything that catches my attention. I'm really spontaneous, upbeat, extroverted, outgoing, and full of energy. And I manifest joy and, and genuine enthusiasm for God. And I naturally bring the good news of the gospel into people's lives and into my children's lives. Some weaknesses that I struggle with, though, are being driven by an underlying fear that goes back to childhood pain. So I use fun and entertainment as a coping strategy, which also means that I battle with gluttony, but not just really for me, not in food. 
it comes more in gobbling up fun experiences to protect against emotional pain as a distraction. So I tend to seek thrilling experiences to avoid pain and suffering. And I like to keep relationships on a surface level because it's too painful to know the whole story. But God is working in me and teaching me how to become more self-controlled. And I'm learning how to enjoy celebration with a conscious awareness of God's love and reminding myself daily that true and lasting joy doesn't depend on circumstances, but on my identity in Jesus. And then Another practice towards growing in my sevenness is living in community with an extended spiritual family, connecting with other believers in deep and meaningful relationships where we're sharing real life together. And more recently, just spending time every day in the word, quietly reading and meditating on God's word and slowing down enough to just enjoy communion with him and being more committed to fasting from specific things as a discipline to just prevent the addictive tendencies. So I love being a seven and I love meeting other sevens. And I'm grateful that God has made me who he has made me. Can I just say that I love that Jen shared about her own process of Mm self-denial. Like she needed to back up in order to keep from these possible addictive tendencies. Yes. And I don't think we think about addiction a whole lot in the life of a very happy person because a lot of times at the core, whether it ends up becoming something uh, like a substance that's being abused or addictive, you can really be addicted to new things and fun things because you're trying not to see the pain. You're trying to avoid pain. Yeah. You know? And I think that's something that not a whole lot of people are willing to talk about unless they've been through really hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And for Jen to admit that about herself just says that, you know, she's seen the other side of it, the other side of being content with just being with the Lord and not having to chase all these new and shiny things, you know, and chase pleasure and avoid pain, you know. It just tends to be something that that sevens will deal with more. But if you see these tendencies in yourself and it's time to admit and change the course of things, then, you know, your life can just change for the better, I think. Yeah. So as we move a little bit away from sevens, we're not going to move completely away because my next friend who's sharing is my friend Sherry, and she claims to be a seven with a strong wing eight. So the eight is a protective challenger. So if you kind of picture like like a strong lion, you know, who's who's in charge, just like Aslan, you know, from Chronicles of Narnia. But Aslan who tap dances, because it's entertaining too. Kidding. So, <laughs> but the protective challenger uh, fears being weak and powerless. They fear being harmed or controlled by someone else. Mm. And a lot of times they fear being vulnerable or being manipulated. But the type 8s have a strong need for justice, which makes them a fierce and loving protector over folks who cannot protect themselves. And this is a really good thing. So um, so the strength of an 8 is protecting themselves in their inner circle. And they tend to want to keep pushing themselves. And here you find a lot of leaders in business, leaders in ministries. And because they do not readily practice accessing emotions, because of the need to just get things done, they tend to steamroll people into getting what they want. I'm going to introduce you to a couple of type eights, but my first one is my friend Sherry, who's a seven with a strong wing eight. 
Hi, I am Sherry Fletcher. I am an Enneagram 7 with a strong wing 8. My strengths are that I'm able to remain calm in situations of crisis. I have high energy, positive attitude, and can come across as very self-confident. The weaknesses is that in my longing for contentment, I can often steamroll if I don't feel that the situation is being taken care of in the way that it should be taken care of. My area of growth, now that I understand these Enneagram numbers and how I think, is being able to really pay attention to the emotion and the understanding of the person I am talking to and focus on how they might hear me within their number. And that has helped me with my spouse and I'm learning it with my kids that as a seven, I might come across as a little too much uh, for a six, like my spouse, and for four, like one of my kids. So I'm trying to understand how I come across to them and how I can grow and serve them best. I like what she shared because she really is kind of that hybrid between seven and eight where she's so concerned about protecting her people that she wants things done the right way but she also realizes how that can steamroll other people and i think that's some really good self-reflection that is definitely going to help her relate to some of the more mellow types really well yeah for sure especially when you're not recognizing the emotions of others or your effect on others. I think that's a huge learning point right there for any one of us who doesn't realize how we come off. You know, I've been told that I come off as intimidating when I'm, you know, sitting here trying to teach someone mm-hmm. something, but I don't realize, oh, you know, either they didn't ask or <laughs> yeah. they don't need that right now or they needed something more cl- closer to their heart that I didn't recognize. And so a stronger type like an eight will do well to tap into the more empathetic understandings that people have in relationship to them. Mm-hmm. I think that the best bosses can be eights with a super empathetic heart. Yeah. I mean, I will follow a leader that knows where they're going. Yeah. I absolutely will, as long as they also know and remind themselves to come back around and love their people. Yeah. You can't just protect people. You also have to come back and love on them as well, how they need to be loved. And so, yeah, for some sure. Good, some good insight. So here's my other eight friend, Angela. I'll let you hear from her and her perspective on being an eight. As an Enneagram eight, I can tell that one of my biggest strengths has been my need for justice, mostly for those around me rather than myself. Um, At a very young age, I always was concerned with those around me who seemed like they didn't have someone sticking up for them or were weaker than I was. I was always very outspoken, hello, eight, and could protect myself from things that I didn't think were fair or justified. And I saw a lot of people around me who weren't the same way and felt the need to do it for them, which brings me to my weakness, stepping in when maybe I don't need to be stepping in. Uh, And so that's been a lesson I've had to learn throughout my life is that, you know, I can be there for someone and not railroad them or take over. I could see another person's point of view and take into consideration that we both might be right and we both might be wrong. The need to understand that there's more than one right way to do things has been something that God has been showing me and 
helping me really mostly tame my tongue over those things. Um, I was never one to sit back and not give my opinion. And now I feel like I've learned how to listen better to try to take what someone else is saying and really process it and think about it before I respond. And sometimes I even get to change my mind about something. That's a really great point because if we are so stuck in our own opinions that we cannot see the other side of things, that's definitely a skill to be learned. And if you notice that about yourself is that once you decide something, you are staunchly going to follow through with it no matter what because if you backtrack, that may look weak. Mm -hmm. That is a very typical type 8 for sure. But if you can learn to humble yourself and open the conversation, keep it open for the sake of people because people are affected mm-hmm. by your attitude, by your personality. I can think of just one instance like learning to apologize to your kids. Yeah. You know, we don't need to be that strong mom and and then never show our kids any side of weakness. You know, there's actually a lot of beauty in vulnerability mm-hmm. for that reason that that eights can really learn to do well. Yeah. Oh, that classic, you know, your your greatest weakness is your greatest strength. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, H, yours is pretty blatant. <laughs> but we are thankful for you. We are. So on to type 9. This is our last type. Type 9 is the peaceful mediator. Type 9s have this inner stability and peace of mind. Type 9s are so nurturing. They're so loving and naturally, like, they're peacemakers. And they can see the good on both sides of things. They're not very decisive sometimes because they can see the benefits of both sides. And this is great, right? So type nines are those natural encouragers. And they're just fine with leaving things the way that they are. They don't have a a huge need to to ruffle feathers or to change stuff a lot. Um, Which means that they tend to avoid conflict tension, discord, they avoid feeling shut out and overlooked, especially, and they definitely don't want to lose connection with others and in relationships. The downfall of nine sometimes tends to be that they remain in an unrealistic and idealistic world because they just want to keep the peace because doing something different or speaking up or believing that their voice matters is difficult for them to grasp. So what nines need to hear the most is that your presence matters. And I would go as far as to say is your voice and your opinion matters. Just share it. You know, people don't know because you don't share. But um, I have a couple of sweet nine friends that share today. And uh, first, I want you to hear from our friend Bethany Howard. I am a nine on the Enneagram. And my strengths are that of a supporter, encourager. I do value others very much, and I'm able to see all of the sides of an issue. My weaknesses would be that, well, one of the main weaknesses, we won't go into all of them, (laughs) but one of them would be that I don't love conflict. And one of the ways that I am stepping towards growth with God's help is that he's helping me to understand that sometimes my voice is needed as the voice of dissent. And that is not necessarily just for conflict's sake, but just to be one who stands up for truth. 
This makes me so happy that Bethany shared because she is one of my writer communicator friends and her website is all about permission granted. Be who you are right where you are. I'll actually be on a Facebook Live with Bethany in the month of January in 2020 and we're going to share about what permission granted looks like because it has a whole lot to do with realizing that you are strong enough. That's why we're doing this series. You're strong enough and your voice matters and you need to speak up and be heard. So Bethany has been a a growing and strong voice in this community. And it's come out of her own fear of what if I speak? What if nobody listens? You know, have you ever felt like that, Jordan? (laughs) Not being listened to? Uh, No. (laughs) While this one is not my personal battle... I am married to a type nine and oh my goodness, before I was married to him, I didn't even think it was possible to be this supported, to just be lovingly embraced in everything that you might even imagine. I could tell him I want to, you know, mate beta fish in our basement and he'd be like, okay, let's do it. We don't even have a basement, but we'll dig one. And I'd be like, okay. And he's like, so wow. supportive. So Ridiculously support- supportive. Like, I didn't know you could over support, but you can't know. So uh, I love him to dive in. That is definitely one of his biggest strengths. But yeah, getting their voices heard and knowing that all the rest of us who can talk over them pretty easily actually want to hear what they have to say Yeah, has been something that the nines in my life have really had to lean into because that's hard for them. Yeah, it is. The last nine that we'll talk about today in our last interview is Emily Rickard. She's the mama of boys and a nine, but she's got a sweet perspective on what it's like to be a nine. Hi, my name is Emily, and I am an Enneagram 9. I definitely resonate with some strengths of the 9 as a mom. The peaceful mediator sums up the way I readily see the perspectives of others and use that ability to mediate, or I like to think of it as translating, people to one another. Almost every day I have some sort of conversation where I explain the perspective of someone else to one or more of my kids, which I hope is building empathy in them. I also think I am adaptable and easygoing. I don't get ruffled by accidents like things getting broken or injuries or general kid chaos, which I think is nice for them, as kids need space to learn from their mistakes and just be kids. I notice my nine weaknesses in many situations, though. I am very likely to merge with what my kids want or need moment to moment, which easily derails me from what I need or want to accomplish. This isn't necessarily bad occasionally. But life is difficult when I find myself constantly failing to prioritize tasks or attend to processing my own emotions or even obtaining my career goals outside the home. If I don't pay attention to my emotional state, I can suddenly erupt in that hidden anger that we nines try so hard to suppress. Also, while I'm a good mediator, I am very drained by conflict. Parenting three boys means bearing up under the weight of their constant fighting, which for me as a nine is a bit soul-crushing. But with God's help, I am learning that my presence matters. I'm not a failure if I'm not perfect at peacekeeping 24-7 or can't keep everyone in the house the happiest they can be every second of the day. We can have our ups and downs and ultimately just being there, being present, and doing my best is what they need from me. I really liked how Emily shared about having that hidden anger 
you know, because for a peacekeeper and one who doesn't readily focus on themselves and they're always trying to keep the peace and, you know, with other people and make sure that everything is okay, it's easy to kind of harbor resentment in a way that you don't really notice. And I've noticed that with other nine friends that, that have told me too that what comes out in them is, is surprising because it tends to be really passive aggressive because they haven't dealt with their emotions, mm-hmm. you know, their own feelings. And I think that's fascinating because if we can do anything today to just encourage you and any of you mom is listening to this, that your feelings matter and that your <laughs> voice matters, that's mm-hmm. what strong enough is all about. Yes, is letting you know that whether you're naturally quiet or not, if you have to work to say things or if they come naturally to you, whether they're opinions or preferences, uh, they matter because you matter a lot and you are strong enough to stand your ground and find your strength in who God made you to be to best love yourself, your family, and to love on all the people around you. Yes. So with that, we're going to end this episode because I think You've heard all that you need to hear right there. Just take a look at these nine different personality types. Again, it's based on the Enneagram, but folks, use it as a tool. It's not gospel, but it definitely gives you a guideline to help you to understand different types of people. And just take comfort in knowing that you are different and that is a good thing. Be who exactly God made you to be and notice when your temperament kind of goes off track and and maybe starts to affect others in a negative way. When you don't feel heard or appreciated or seen, look at that as maybe a a core longing or a fear that you may have that you, you go unnoticed or that maybe you're too much for people, you know. Let's all come back to the the truth of who we are and know that you're valuable right where you are. You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with your host, Jennifer Bryant. And your co-host, Jordan Marzon. And this is the Strong Enough series. We're doing about 10 episodes this year, one every month. And we made this especially for you, mamas, because we are here to tell you that you are already enough. If you haven't already, follow practicalfamily.com org sign up for our email list we're on facebook twitter instagram and pinterest follow practical family for more exciting episodes coming your way and make sure that you join the strong enough facebook group it's specifically for this series where you get to share insights and encourage other moms in their struggle to be good enough Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed our content, please reach out and give us a review on iTunes. The more stars, the better. They help us get you quality content. This has been the Practical Family Podcast, where we are helping to strengthen moms for real life struggles and to help you discover your gifts and embrace grace. Grace.